Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, the internet's only movie or comic book related podcast. Uh, my name is Dustin. I'm here with my brother, Matt. That is me. So today we have two extremely exciting and wonderful things to discuss. The first is a comic book called The Death of Superman, in which the titular character Superman dies. It is by Dan Jurgens, Louise Simonson, Roger Stern, Jerry Ordway, John Bogdanov, Tom Grummet, Jackson Geis, and Dan Jurgens again, penciling as well as writing. And then we are going to also talk about the motion picture entitled Zatoichi Meets Yojimbo, which I believe is the 20th film in the uh, uh, Zatoichi series. And it stars Shintaro Katsu as Zatoichi, Toshiro Mufune as uh, the Yojimbo character, and it is directed by Kihachi Okamoto. So, with that, Matt, shall we talk about the death of Superman first? Sure. Okay. This comic was kind of a big mainstream story because of the fact that DC Comics was saying that they were going to kill off Superman. And so this is the story in which a monster from outer space crash lands on Earth and punches Superman to death. Spoiler alert. Not a spoiler if it's in the title. It's it's in the title. So then there are other parts that continue off of this about how Superman comes back to life to the surprise of no one. But uh, Matt, what did you think of the comic, The Death of Superman? So I do enjoy, I do like The Death of Superman. I, I do think it works on some levels. There are some, if you're reading it, we're in now in the, the year of our Lord, 2019. So this story is at least 20 years old. So some of the writing is a little dated. And they do this thing where they cycle through writers and artists because it's like it hits each of the Superman titles. Yeah, it was a crossover event. It was not like a standalone miniseries or an original graphic novel. So it, it crossed over with all the regular writing and art teams on the Superman books at the time. So you do get kind of a grab bag of people. So it is a little scattershot. I would say overall, I do like it. I think it works. I think the main, so the main thing that you're looking at here is the doomsday character, right? That's the big that's the big addition, I think, to Superman mythos, obviously, because they introduced this new character just for the purpose of killing Superman. And I don't know. I feel like it kind of works. You could argue that maybe the fact that he's not killed by Lex Luthor or someone else is sort of a downside. But I think it works to introduce this new character. The The character design on Doomsday, I think, is cool. I think it works. You kind of get everything from the character just by looking at him, right? He's very fearsome. He's got all the bones sticking out of everywhere it's kind of a very 90s character design i suppose but i think it works he's like a living natural disaster or something he comes out of nowhere with no warning no expectation and then he kills superman and he dies so there's sort of a suddenness to it i think it's the kryptonian equivalent of getting hit by a bus or something there's some kind of existential dread with the idea that something could just pop up and kill superman with almost no warning does come at sort of a weird place in DC continuity because you've got 
Lex Luthor living inside the mind or he has his brain transferred into the person that he's passing off as his biological son who has red hair and an Australian accent. And the Justice League does not have Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Aquaman, or any other very recognizable people in it. And Supergirl is not Supergirl. She's an alien who can shapeshift. So it is kind of an odd place in DC continuity, I think. It's this post-crisis where they kind of ditched a lot of other stuff that we now, that they've since brought back. But I think it works. I think Doomsday works as a character, just as like sort of a living natural disaster. Like I said, the art is kind of all over the place uh, from switching out all the creative teams. Some of the writing is dated, is a little corny. Would, would you agree with my assessment on Doomsday or not? No, I think Doomsday sucks. Um, and I think that okay. this comic is not very good. And the reason for that is because Doomsday um, is a character who has no personality at all and no purpose. And the he kills, and the death of Superman occurs... Uh, not through any kind of plan or sacrifice that involves anything inherent to the character of Superman. He just dies because this ugly rock monster punches him a lot. So there's, I just feel like it, there's, there's no um, real emotional heft to the story, both because they're using a character that they just invented for this purpose who has no personality and no uh, motive or anything to him. He's just like a mindless monster who punches things. Like he would punch, you know, a steel wall just as hard as he would punch Superman if it was in his way. And then, yeah, Superman dies not like through any kind of sacrifice or any sort of thing inherent to the character of superman he just like get punched get, gets punched too much and then drops dead that's kind of why I, I liked it a little because of the subversion it subverts the expectation a little he doesn't die stopping like an evil plan by lex luther or something it's literally just something that shows up out of the blue and couldn't be predicted um obviously that's a very fine line to tread without it seeming kind of random and pointless so it subverts the expectation you might have that Superman's death would be interesting by making it not it's what you're saying. It's not quite where I was taking that, no. I feel like there are imaginary stories from the 50s and 60s where Superman dies that are more interesting than this. Like that one where Superman is dying, so he writes on the moon that any man can be a Superman or something like that. I can't remember the exact story, but... I, I have feel not like read that. That sounds... That sounds cool. Yeah, the opening splash page for it is these little, like, Superman robots carrying Superman's body into, like, a crypt in the Fortress of Solitude. I can't remember all the exact details of it, but I feel like there's been Superman stories before where he, like, dies, or even some of the Superman stories that we read in the, the time travel Superman book that we read, like, the one where he gets trapped in the future. Like, he doesn't die, but I think, like, stories like that, which show Superman, like, having this kind of desperation, I think, give you a better view into the character. Whereas in this, it's just like, you know, there is a thing where he, like, refuses to give up, but that's, like, every superhero. And he dies just because, you know, Doomsday punches him too many times. Like, if Doomsday had punched him one time less, he would still be alive. That's why I said it's sort of the superhero equivalent of getting hit by a bus, which I guess you could say is a stupid way to have Superman die to get hit by a bus. But... I felt like there was something there 
just in the in the subversion and sort of the the weirdness of it. That was that was my thought. Well, your opinion is wrong. I hate to tell you this. Uh, no, I um, also I was reading that they apparently were they wanted a character, they wanted a character that Superman could fight, because they were thinking that Superman was like too powerful physically, which I feel like is sort of a to me that's always been one of the interesting things about Superman as a character is that in a straight up like one to one fight. He can like take on anyone, but you know the most difficult things that he encounters are things that he has to solve, you know, with his mind or where he has to bring in his you know compassion and his understanding, and you know these other traits uh, that truly make him, you know, such a remarkable character. And I think his physical strength, you know, is not the most interesting thing about Superman. So the fact that they decided that they would kill Superman with a character who would just challenge him on that level of like physical strength, I think is not really that interesting. Like it seems like kind of the the, the silly complaint that people make about Superman sometimes is that he's too strong or too powerful, uh, which is silly because, you know, fictional characters are all, you know, as powerful or as not powerful as the writer wants them to be. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things going on there because this was, as far as I know, one of the first times that a, a comic company tried to draw in mainstream attention with some, some kind of event like this, which is now a thing that happens, you know, semi-regularly. They try and suck in a little blurb from a mainstream press or something. And I think that's kind of what they were going for here. And what about that, uh, Death in the Family? when they killed Robin in the, wasn't that in the 80s? Oh, right. That would have predated this. That's correct. Yeah. So it wasn't the first time, but I think that's what they were going for. And maybe they were working off of that popular conception of Superman from like a layperson that he is very powerful. And so they felt they needed to give it a very like straightforward, visceral take in order to suck in that layperson. I don't know if that was the, the editorial decision or not. Doesn't Superman die in All Star Superman? Like I feel like no. That's at the a... at the end, he is dying, and then at the end, he goes to live inside the sun to fix the sun. Oh, right. And then he and then I believe he's supposed to become the Superman from DC One Million, who is still alive in the future. And I feel like that's a much more interesting like die, Superman is dying story because it actually like like he realizes that he's dying. And then it becomes the more of a view into his character and the decisions that he makes about the world that he's leaving behind. Oh, yeah, I would agree that that's way more interesting. I think what they're going for here is the sort of immediacy of it. Like it happens before anybody even has time to think about it. Like somebody sleeps in that morning and they wake up and look at the newspaper and it says Superman's dead and nobody would have seen it coming. Um, now you're saying that doesn't work. I feel like it kind of works. I think some of the interesting stuff that comes out of the death of Superman is the aftermath where you get some of the Superman like characters trying to fill that void and you get the cyborg Superman and you get engine city and a bunch of other stuff kind of spins out of it. And I think that ultimately probably has more of an impact is probably more interesting than Superman actually dying because you do do get some of that stuff where everyone's trying to live up to his example. But of course it all happens after he's already dead. So it's not actually in this story. 
I guess um, for the purpose of this discussion, I had just read this first part, so I have not read those other ones. So I read them kind of a while ago, not not real recently, so I did not reread them. But there is a whole thing where you know where all these characters start coming out of the woodwork, and people are trying to be the next Superman or live up to his example. And I think that's kind of interesting. But yeah, that's not in this story. That's in the full the the whole thing that unfolds over several years. So did you read in this collection that we read? It has like a parody issue of Newsweek at the end with articles about Superman. Did you? I assume that you read that as well. I actually did not read that. Oh really? Yeah. Um, it's kind of odd. I mean it. it has like a it's all like in universe stuff so there are ads for like you know coast city airlines and so on and so forth and there's like weird celebrity like gossip news and there's like a movie review of like a superhero movie and i think there's like these odd like tidbits and i think it ends up tying into some other stuff that would come later but there's uh, like testimonials from people about Superman's death, and one of them is by uh, John Goodman, the actor. And John Goodman writes a story about how he kills Mr. Mixie Spitlake by trapping him inside a hot dog cart. Good times, good times. That was really weird. Yeah, it's pretty random. I'm not sure if that if those are ideas that they came up with, like in concert with the people like there's one that says like dan rather and like other like real people as well as like characters from superman so i'm not sure if they came up with that with those people or if that's just like random stuff but yeah there's a story about john goodman uh he meets mr mixie spitlake running a hot dog cart and then he like traps traps him inside the hot dog cart um there's also you think that should have had a bigger role in death of superman yeah like john goodman should have been more involved clearly should have been like one of the main characters in it. There's also a, a thing where it says that the award-winning journalist Clark Kent is still missing. And it mentions that he is not only a journalist, but is also a novelist. And apparently Clark Kent writes like pulp novels or what they call pot boilers. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if I did know that. I know that pre-crisis, he was a TV broadcaster too. So Clark kind of goes through some different permutations of his career that's kind of funny of the idea of superman just writing like john grisham novels or something yeah yeah and then there's i i think there's a i'm not sure if it's supposed to be like a woody allen stand-in or something but there's a thing about uh this like dead body of a comedian that gets found like right after there's an ad for like a movie starring this character who I think is supposed to be like a Woody Allen stand-in, and then on the next page they talk about him uh, getting killed by Doomsday. Anyway, I mean, it has a bunch of, like, random oddball stuff like that. If you uh, skipped it, I'm not sure that you really uh, missed much. What would you say about my comment that Doomsday has a strong character design or strong visual design? Do you agree or disagree with this? He's fine. He's kind of interesting looking. Yeah, I think I mean, what's kind of interesting is that it makes him almost look like an old, like an evil old man, because he has like wispy hair, and then the white kind of looks like right. makes you think of a beard or something. So he almost looks like an evil old man, and the fact that he starts by fighting the Justice League and he has literally one hand stuck behind his back. 
I don't know. I feel like it's a strong design element. There's a strong character design. It does suck you in a little bit. We're dealing with the C-League Justice League, but the fact that he swats them around, I feel like that's a good introduction. Isn't that how, like, lots of comic stories introduce their new villains by just showing them going around beating the crap out of everyone? I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I feel like... It also made me wonder how much stuff from other planets has crashed on Earth, coincidentally. Like... Earth just is the collector of all extraterrestrial junk. Well, they reference, I think it's referenced a, a crossover that must have happened previous to this where they successfully repelled an alien invasion. But apparently Earth, yeah, gets invaded by aliens like every few months. So overall, Death of Superman, I'm going to give it a tentative, I'm going to give it a tentative thumbs up. I don't think it's a, a, I wouldn't really put it on a list of like best Superman things, I don't think. Unless you were to include all of the sequels as one whole saga, then maybe I would. But as a standalone, I'm going to give it like a real tentative thumbs up. I think there is kind of something there. And I mean, I guess you're going to give it a, a 15 thumbs down. Is that accurate? I'm going to give it 100,000 thumbs down. No, I'm just kidding. It's not It's not great. I mean, I think that... You think it'd be better if there was one consistent art and story team and it was published as like a... Because now it would be published as like a like a six issue seven issue miniseries with the same writer and artist. Do you think that would improve at all, or does that not really matter? I mean, it might. I didn't really. I mean, I guess the actual writing and the art. I mean, it didn't stand out to me really one way or the other. It's not terrible. Um, I just feel like that the whole overall plot is just not that interesting to me. Like you talk about the design of Doomsday, and it's true that he is kind of cool looking. Though I almost feel like. He looks cooler when he's inside, like his green spacesuit at the beginning. But I just don't. I just my big problem is just that Doomsday has no personality, and there doesn't seem to be any overarching meaning to Superman's death in the story, other than the fact that he gets punched too many times. So I just don't really think uh, outside of the um, like if this wasn't infamous for being like sort of a big publicity push into mainstream media um i would say that this would not be really worth reading like i think it's only interesting sort of like a, as a historical artifact it's also an example of i thought of this while reading it superman seems to forget so i don't know why he doesn't just like hover around doomsday considering he knows doomsday can't fly i don't know why he doesn't just float like a mile away and try and blast him with heat vision especially when they're fighting in like an underpopulated area I feel like writers have Superman just, like, forget that he has heat vision a lot of times. He does use his heat vision in the story. But why doesn't he use it more? I don't know. That's a really... It's ultimately sort of a trivial nerd complaint, but it just seems kind of weird because you're saying he gets punched too many times and they're in this, like, mano-a-mano brawl. Well, he actually has heat lasers that come out of his eyes and he can shoot, like, freezing breath or whatever. So it, it on some level, it seems kind of odd that he dies. By getting punched when he can, in fact, fly and zoom around the Earth and everything else. Yeah, like maybe he should have thought this one through a little bit more. Rather than committing to just getting into a punch him up So that's Death of Superman. There's another thing that we're going to talk about that also involves two characters meeting. I think we would agree that they're both probably more interesting than Doomsday. Would you that's, agree with this? Yes, I would agree with that. Zoichi so, meets Yojimbo. Yeah, it stars. It has Shintaro Katsu as Zoichi. 
which is, of course, the, the longest running, I believe, the longest running continuous film series in history. I is think that, that is I think that is a record. Someone could true. correct me if it's not a record, but like the longest running series that has the same actor playing the same character. I don't um, even know what you would compare it to. Um, I don't know either. I feel like there might be some other stuff, but he's definitely got to be up there. Well, yeah, as far as the same actor playing as the same character, yeah, he might be in there. Um, and then, of course, you have Toshiro Mifune playing Yojimbo in, I believe, the third of his four film appearances, the first two being from actual, from the Kurosawa movies that's probably more well-known. So I, I think um, in this movie, his character does actually have a name. I can't remember what it is. but uh... He does. He does get a name. Of course, we might say that that's possibly a different pseudonym or not his real actual name or something. But yeah, he, he actually gets a tiny bit of backstory, which he does not have previously. I mean, you could probably argue that it's not really the same guy, or maybe it is, but I think it's sort of, you know, intentionally ambiguous as to whether or not this is really the same guy. But not not that it really matters overall. It's more just about Toshiro Mufune playing that sort of surly, uh, you know, rumpasaurus samurai guy. Yeah. So what did what did you think of this movie? Uh, so Zeruichi Mitsuo Jimbo, I thought it was all right. I feel like uh, the uh, story gets a little like convoluted, like through the middle, because uh, basically it involves Zeruichi goes back to his. And for people who are not familiar with Zeruichi, he is a blind uh, gambler and masseuse, and he also is like an expert swordsman and he travels around Japan having adventures. He basically lives the life of the Incredible Hulk because he just wanders from place to place and he just wants to be left alone and live peacefully. And somehow he always gets sucked into things and ends up fighting people. He's basically the Incredible Hulk. And in this story, he goes back to what I believe is his hometown and finds that it is under the grip of a Yakuza uh, boss and the Yakuza boss is also somehow thrown in with the Yojimbo character and they start out as adversaries and then they sort of tentatively team up. Um, yes, there is a there is a complicated plot involving stolen gold and connections to the family that owns the guild that prints money. And there's a silk merchant, and he has kids, and there's a whole thing going on. Yeah, I found the story a little convoluted, and I had trouble at some, a few points keeping track of, like, who was on whose side with which guy, because there's a lot of, like, uh, characters and a lot of scheming going on. But overall, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I think the uh, the fun of watching this movie is going to be primarily just from watching... Toshiro Mufune play the surly samurai guy and then watching Shintaro Katsu play Zatoichi. Um, and that's fun. There was, uh, I, the ending really picks up like the last half hour is really when everything like comes to a head. And I thought that uh, part was really strong. It like really gets into some wild uh, like fight sequences and stuff at the end. It also has a a number of like fairly funny uh, jokes in it that surprised me. I didn't. I've only seen one other Zatoichi 
movies, so maybe I believe you have seen more than one. How many have you seen? I believe I've seen about 10 or 11. Oh, okay. So is he normally uh, like sort of an occasional goofball? Yeah, so he, he kind of veers into being like a little jester or like a, a clown character. There's kind of some angles there, right? Because you said he's blind. So legally, uh, blind people there's a, are supposed to be certain jobs or whatever. So that's where the, him being the blind masseuse comes in. And he's not legally allowed to carry weapons because he's not a samurai, right? He belongs to the lower, the lowest social class, I believe. So he has the cane swords, the hidden weapon. Um, he is kind of a wacky character. He does he. He, I think he exists on some level as a, yeah, as a sort of a jester who casts doubt on the rest of society. He also fights gangsters a lot, so he's a lower class kind of a guy. And he, yeah, he eats a lot. He drinks. Um, he gambles. He's very good at gambling. He does fight a lot of gangsters. He kind of sticks up for the common man. I think is sort of his shtick. And yes, he does. He can sometimes be wacky. Yeah, I. Um... I the only other Zadoichi film I had seen was the very first one, and that was quite a few years ago. So I didn't realize that he is occasionally sort of silly because he got me with a couple jokes, like when he is pretending to be dying from eating this poison thing, and then they're like, oh, that's too bad. He was going to be released today, and then he just pops up and is like, wait, what? Or like when he is like, furiously eating and like drinking as fast as possible to show to share he's trying to like show to share that he's like a villain or like a bad guy so he, that like, he's like a tough guy yeah so he just starts like chugging booze like because uh, that's what tough guys do yeah i guess um so i was surprised that i got a couple of chuckles just out of his character being kind of silly sometimes so what did you uh did you also enjoy this film I did like it. It sounds like I liked it more than you. I, I did feel like the first half, so it's about two hours. I feel like the first half, maybe the first 50 minutes, was a little soft. It, it does. There's a lot of kind of chess pieces that they're putting into place before it kicks into high gear, before the chess pieces start knocking each other over. So, yeah, I do feel like the first kind of chunk of it, maybe 50 minutes or an hour, was a little slow. Once it gets going, though, you know, I really liked it, and I think it comes together to a really nice conclusion. Obviously, the actors are great, um, and there's a lot of nice touches because you have Yojimbo, and like he's always bugging people for money. He always asks people for really high sums of money, and then he immediately, the second they hesitate, he immediately like downgrades it to like a significantly lower sum of money. And you can tell his clothes are just really ratty and worn down. And it does give you a little bit more of his character because it mentions he's a background. Uh, in his background, he's supposed to be like a spy or something, and there's a question of some level if he's really even doing that or if he's just being himself and sort of pretending to be a spy. He is ultimately kind of an ambiguous character. I think that works. I think that's good. You do meet the new, there's another villain. There's like a third villain or a third fighter character. Yeah. There's a kind of like an evil, like Robert Smith from the cure (laughs) guy. And he has like a handgun. Yeah, he has a double-barreled handgun, and he comes in, and he has to be defeated by them, by the Yojimbo and the Zatoichi. I like the way that the characters just kind of, like, bounce into each other, like pinballs, because they do team up, and then they'll, like, unteam up, and then they'll team up again. 
so they're they're just kind of fun characters because they are so different. In some ways, they're very similar, right? They're wandering samurai who get into fights and are expert warriors, but they're very different characters. Zatoichi is much more, let's say, lackadaisical, and Yojimbo is much more like the hard nosed, like kicks a door in and kills people kind of guy. So there's a fun interplay there. There's a couple things I could say about the direction. So this is directed by the guy who made one of my directed one of my favorite samurai movies of all time, Sword of Doom. That is a great film. And in here, I noticed a couple of things. He uses a lot of like frame within a frame, like inside doorways, or even you see a building from the side, and you can see them go up and down the stairs. There's a lot of times with yeah with doorways, window frames, and there's a lot of great use of like foreground and background, where you have characters placed very you know, like artfully around a scene and they're like the attention is being drawn back and forth. So I think there's a lot of cool things being done with the direction. So do Zatoichi films generally use, like, is it, where they, did they like bring in a different director for like each one or was there some kind of consistency going on with that? Or does it, is all just like random? It's pretty random. I know they bring in, I believe the director of the first one is Kenji Misumi. And I believe he comes back several times to direct entries into the series. And I want to, and I, I, there are some directors that repeat, but it is, it is pretty all over the place. If you look at the release schedule for the movies, sometimes like two or three of them will come out in a single year. So I'm assuming they're shooting a lot of these like back to back. There's also a lot of great use of, there's a lot of cool shots where you have like close-ups. There's a lot of good close-ups of his face, of like Zedoichi's face, which almost made me think yeah. of like a Western where you get like the, the so close to the face, you can see like the granules, you know, on their head and you have his like he has like this little like wispy beard and he's just kind of like this dirty character and he has almost like a round like santa claus face yeah he does have a great face it's and you'll get these shots where he's he happens to be standing in like the only place where there's like a shadow like it's all lit around him and he's just standing in the one place where there can be like a shadow falling across his face so i thought there was actually a lot of good direction it does take a little while to get going i think the final sequence is really good there's almost like a there's a tragedy element to the character with this gold, and the whole plot is about gold. And ironically, the two main characters are not really all that interested in getting the gold. Yeah, it's revealed that the Yojimbo character is really in love with this local girl that he's trying to uh, rescue from this uh, crime boss, sort of. And then Zedoichi uh, tries to get the gold, sort of, and it doesn't really work out. I did like the sequence too, where they hire these guys to help them fight in the battle. But then they're all like cowards and Zedoichi just comes up and asks them to come with him. And then they all like sneak away and you get that frame within a frame where it's like a shot where you see a house, but you also see the area under the house and you can see everyone like scampering around under the floorboards. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And that that all comes in like the last half hour, right? Which is. Yeah. Like I said, I feel like the first the first 50 minutes maybe is a little soft. There's a lot of pieces that they're kind of moving into place. Because at first you get there's a silk merchant and there's an old guy who makes Buddha statues who used to be the mayor. And then there's like a Yakuza boss and there's just kind of a lot of yeah. things to introduce. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, story, which my understanding is that most of these movies are like in the 80 to 90 minute range. And this one is almost two hours for some reason. Yeah, on average, this is longer than many of the Zatoichi movies. Yeah, but it still works. Like you said, I think I mean, Shintaro Katsu has a great face. So there's a lot of like close ups of him. And his, you know, he's really a like, really expressive actor with his face. And then, so just watching him and Toshiro Mufune 
play these characters off each other, I think, is worth the price of admission. And then the last half hour really um, kicks up once everything kind of comes to a head. You know, it's interesting that neither of these uh, wandering samurai are like, I was thinking of this, that, um, you know, the, the prototypical wandering samurai would be kind of be like the Musashi Miyamoto, who's like honorable to a fault and is sort of like the pure, like the good cop, sort of. Whereas in this film, Zatoichi and Yojimba are both like sort of alternatingly good cop and bad cop. They're you know, both kind it, of grubby characters. Yeah, neither one of um, neither one of them is like the good guy versus the other one being like more of the bad guy. Like I was kind, of, they're both sort of like maybe not morally ambiguous, but they're definitely more morally ambiguous in their like methods. Like neither one is like the pure hero. I think. I mean, Jimbo like so. actively makes he makes keeps making fun of the yakuza guy that he's supposed to work for. And he starts a fire in the silk merchant's house, but you never really know what he's up to because in some ways it seems like he's encouraging them to fight. Of course, people will die as part of some plot to get this gold. And then it's like, does he really care about the gold? I don't know. There's a, you never really know what that character is really up to. It, it, he's left a lot more ambiguous. I feel like almost in Zatoichi. Well, isn't he mainly interested in um... running away with the girl? Yeah, I can't remember. He is, but he's also supposedly a spy, so he's, like, working for the government or something. Yeah, which is interesting because if you take him as being the same character from the Yojimbo and Sanjiro Kurosawa films, then that part of it read to me just as, like, a story. So it was hard to know how much, like, value to place in him his reveal that he's actually, like a, like, spying on them for... The government, I guess, is the implication. Or he could have been the same character and outlaw, and he got a government job. Right. Somehow, yeah. it's not really clear. Or that could just be another pseudonym. It could be another fake identity that he had adopted for some reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you, you don't really know. Last thought, Zatoichi meets Yojimbo. Zatoichi meets Yojimbo. It is a fun samurai film. I would recommend it to, um, you know, anyone who I think it's, if you're at all interested in either of these two characters or either of these two actors, I would say it's worth a watch, though it's probably not going to compare to the best films that either of them did. But it's still uh, quite a bit of fun just to see these two guys together and the kind of trouble that their characters get up to. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good movie. I, I would definitely recommend it. It's a better movie. I will give you this. It's a better movie than Death of Superman is a comic book. I would agree with that. Yeah. So do you also want to do a recommendation? My recommendation would actually be the Zato Oichi remake made by Takeshi Katano, which is a very strange movie. And it's not an unqualified recommendation, but it is an interesting movie. And I think it's worth watching. And if you have any interest in the Zato Oichi thing, I think it's a good movie. It is different. There's a dance number, for example. Uh, if you can imagine like a Zato Oichi musical, I don't remember if there's actually singing, but it's a good movie. It, it's very, it's unusual. It's a weird Takeshi Kitano movie. It's a weird Zato Oichi movie. I'm not even sure why it exists. It's kind of an oddity in film universe, but that would be my my recommendation. 
the Zaroichi remake made by Takeshi Katano. I believe it's called Zaroichi the Blind Swordsman. Yeah, I I think I've seen that as well, and I remember liking it, but yeah, it's very strange. So my recommendation is actually another samurai movie. This one is actually kind of a uh, horror film where the main character is a samurai. It is called Demons. It's from 1971. The director is Toshio Matsumoto. And the uh, story is about, it, it ties into the famous story of the 47 Ronin. And the main character in the film is what would have been the 48th Ronin. And he is trying to join in with this plot, but he has money problems, essentially. And he basically gets tied in with this geisha who is intent on, like, tricking him and, like, stealing all of his money, sort of. And then it kind of, like, spirals out from there. It's a very dark film, both in theme and in style. Like, the whole film is shadowed with, like, almost... There are, like, frames where, like, almost the whole screen is black from shadow and it'll just be, like, slivers of light. And then it goes and ends up going into some very dark places where the main character there's you know kills lots of people he kills he ends up trying to like take revenge for this wrong that's been done to him and sort of like goes off the deep end morally and to the point where he becomes sort of this like repugnant character so it's not like sort of a fun you know Chambara, I guess you would say, samurai film with like action scenes. It's more of like a moody horror piece, but I really enjoyed it. It's called Demons. Well, that's our show. If you want to catch us online, I am at uh, at Army of Crime. And my brother is at Dustin4444, or is it at Dustin444? Is there four fours? It's at Dustin44444. So there's five fours. Yeah, it's a really stupid uh, handle. I'm not sure why I have it. It's really Okay. Okay, so at Dustin44444. And at Army of Crime is where you can find us on Twitter. Stay live out there, internet people. Is it, is it recording now?